Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you Mark Metry, who's the host of Humans 2.0 Podcast and founder of View Dream. Prior to founding View Dream, Mark was the founder and creative director of Play Pixelmon Minecraft, that's PPMC, which was started in 2013 and was the number one Pixelmon Minecraft server in the world. That's quite an accomplishment, seeing that this young man has not been around for so long. So welcome, Mark. Very grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, it's such a treat. Yeah, I just am in the process of tying up all the loose ends of my last book, which is looking at digital self-mastery across generations. So it's exciting to me to be able to bring in different guests that are also across generations. We don't want to stick with all the Xers, right? There's a lot of, mm. a lot of great stuff happening. And would you be considered Z or are you Y? I think I'm Z. Pretty sure I'm Z. Yeah, I think you're Z. So that's pretty awesome. My my kids are Zs and and I have high hopes for what they're going to be doing in the future. So I think it's very cool. So can you just to get our audience familiar with you, tell us a little bit about Humans 2.0 and how you came about coming to that place of wanting to have these discussions and launching a podcast? So I always knew I was going to start a podcast because I always had ideas that kind of it kind of relates back to the quote of do people have ideas or do ideas have people? And I, I, I'm always kind of that guy. So I definitely knew I would start a podcast someday. But the way it really transpired was I was with some of my friends and I was talking to them. If anybody's ever known of it, this thing called the technological singularity. And it's basically this theory that in 2050 or, or sometime, humans are going to transcend all limits and uh, we're going to transcend biology, basically. And I was talking to all my friends and they were like, no, nah, you have you know, no idea what you're talking about. And you know, this isn't going to happen. And I don't know if this is going to happen too, but the arguments that they were giving me were very simple and I didn't like it. So I was like, all right, so why am I talking to these people when I have the technology today you know, the internet that can allow me to basically talk to anybody, can talk to experts like yourself and, you know, get the real information out there. And that's why I'm really doing it. And my podcast, it's like kind of a mix between technology and where it's going and how it relates to our lives in a very positive self-development manner. I love it. I love it. And I think it's so important that we have more of these conversations. And, you know, we're starting to see a real rise in different perspectives on this conversation. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of a lot of the work that's coming out from Silicon Valley and sort of the backlash with Tristan Harris and his whole movement of, uh, you know, really looking at, you know, making technology more humane. And a lot of that, of course, is very directed towards social media, but there's still I think it's important to balance that with the positive side. And I think there's so many exciting things happening in AI, you know, and in AR. And so I, it's really exciting to see other people really engaging in this conversation. So thank you. Likewise. 
So just because I have a passion for it myself, and as I mentioned to you before, you know, it was it has a near place in my heart with Minecraft having presented at Minecon, I don't know, I guess it was probably five years ago, six years ago with my son. You've been in this for a while. And so, you know, how did Minecraft feed into your interest in sort of greater humanity and technology? Yeah, so... So yeah, you probably have to take a, a, a step further from that. So really, the first time I really got into technology was when I started making YouTube videos back in 2010, I believe. And I made gaming commentary videos. And I just played like Call of Duty, like different shooters like that. And eventually, I just kind of got bored of those. And people were talking to me about Minecraft. And I had just always thought in my mind, I was like, no, I'm never playing that game. That game looks so weird. Like, I'm not a kid, you know, it looks like Legos, all that stuff. But I finally gave it a shot and it was super interesting. It was awesome. And I started making videos of that as well. And, you know, that just kind of led me down the the Minecraft rabbit hole. I started discovering different mods. I found this particular mod that was really interesting to me called Pixelmon. And it's basically Pokemon in Minecraft. And I, I was a huge, huge fan of, of Pokemon and Minecraft. I'm like, oh, oh my God. So, you know, I, and I wanted to play online. I wanted to play with people. I wanted to meet, you know, different. I wanted to have tournaments, you know, Pokemon fights. So uh, I started searching for different Pixelmon servers. And all the ones that I logged on to were just really bad. They were all... They all were really laggy. There was too many people on, you know, like the the ranks and like the game wasn't set up. You know, the people that were running it had no idea. So then I was just like, maybe out of just pure naivete, just self-belief, I was like, all right, I'm just going to start one. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing at that moment. But, you know, I used the power of Google. I used technology to help me figure out these things. And you know, there were there were some things that I couldn't figure out, like some Java coded plugins that I had to create. And all I did for that was I just hired a freelancer from India for like $15. And then I started up the Minecraft server for another $15 a month. So it was really nothing. And, uh, and yeah, people just started joining. And then that just went on to bigger and bigger things. And yeah, that's how I got started with Minecraft. <laughs> That's very cool. And I think, I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like you, from the very beginning, were sort of fascinated with the ability to connect, you know, globally and with a larger audience than the one that is physically with you. And I equate that to, you know, a lot of time people ask me about the dangers of gaming for teens and the dangers of being online for teens. And I try to explain to them that there's there's actually these incredible benefits. And sure, they're, they're, I'm not saying that it's all fine and good. But when we look at the behaviors that they're referring to as antisocial or prosocial, where they're saying, well, my kid's stuck in his room all day and he's playing this game. He's antisocial. I'm like, well, but isn't he playing with other people? And so, you know, I started doing my own sort of direct research from watching the kids that were playing it and talking to my son's peers, who these were kids going to an international school in Sweden. And... They were playing with kids 
and friends that had moved away, but kids that were spread all over the globe. And to them, they did not perceive that interaction because they had Skype going the whole time, right? So they didn't perceive that interaction as any less social or any different than sitting down on the end of the bed with the, you know, with somebody right next to you playing the game simultaneously. They were like, I'm just hanging with my friends. And I think that there's something really powerful about that human connection that the younger generation, and by, and by that I say sort of Z and, and whoever's next, because I think for us that are a little bit older, we still have this, these antiquated ideas of what a quality social connection can be achieved through. What, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah. And I, so yeah, so, you know, gaming in specific, but technology in general, there's pros and cons to it, but you know, really mostly this is, it's just a tool and it really just depends on the user and how he or she uses it. Like you could take gaming for example, and you know, you can spend more time in the game than you can in your real life, you know, waste your money, your time. And you know, next thing you know, your life is going to be in shambles. But then again, you could use the game very productively, just like all the ways that you mentioned before. And I think it's, I think it's really important to acknowledge that because oftentimes, you know, if you look all throughout history, people will be so afraid of all the different technologies. You know, it's not just happening now with social media and technology. Like I'm, a, I'm in the middle of writing this article and part of it is I'm mentioning this quote from Socrates and I don't remember it exactly, but basically it's Socrates was against the technology of writing because he thought that people's memory would, they wouldn't use anymore and they just forget everything. And clearly that's not the case. So yeah, so I think gaming can be very beneficial. You know, personally for me, I think I definitely have misabused technology, you know, as maybe in terms of escapism, like, you know, just like scrolling through Instagram on social media, just scrolling by. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's on me, you know, like you can take a fork and eat a meal with it, or you can, or you can take it and stick it in your eye. You know, it's, it's a hundred percent dependent on the user. And when we frame the conversation this way, then we can actually have productive means of helping the people that aren't as natural to it or, or have their own problems. And yeah, and that's, that's basically, you know, what I'm doing with my podcast, what you're doing with your podcast. And I think humanity is just, is in the middle of something really strange and special right now. Because I was, uh, I was kind of on YouTube and I had started making YouTube videos before it was normal. You know, before you, you, you made a video and you posted it on the internet. You know, now everyone knows the term YouTuber, but back then I, I hadn't have seen it. So once you start learning these things, you can kind of apply them in your own life and seeing how these people are saying these things. But, you know, in reality, they're just, they might be really negative or they, they think it's because of this thing and they haven't seen the full picture of it. And yeah, and I think we just need to have more conversations, just like you said. Yeah. And I, I think, it, again, it's a lot of the self-awareness and sort of you acknowledge the fact that there's been times where you've abused it or used it for escapism. And, you know, and quite frankly, before technology, you could do the same thing with a book. You know, where it was like, mm -hmm. when I find a good book, it could be a thousand pages. I just want to disappear. I'm not interested in talking to anybody until I finish that book. And I will deny myself sleep because of that book. How is that any different from gaming? But it's a conscious decision of like, I got to finish this. This is my choice of what I want to do. But because I know that tendency in myself, I don't pick up a thousand page book unless I'm on vacation. 
because I mm-hmm. know that it's going to have a negative impact on everything else in my life. It's like, I have to know that I'm going to be able to just absorb myself into it entirely. So are you familiar with Gabe Zickerman? He was the author of Gamification. And I recently interviewed him for one of my podcasts. And and uh, it, he had a great story about that sort of building self-awareness where he was, you know, he was ha- at a college party. Actually, his roommate had had a party. It was like a big binge fest in mm. his room. And he was sitting on the computer playing Civilizations all night. And people were, you know, were around him and, you know, they were trying to engage with him, but he was just, you know, got to just play one more round, one more round, one more round. Next thing he knew, it was the morning and everybody was gone. And he was like, hmm, something's wrong. (laughs) So this is not my normal behavior. So what do you recommend to your clients or when you're working with people or even for yourself to develop the tools to build that self-awareness before they run away with themselves or the, before you hit sort of a trauma state or a trigger state. Yeah. So I'm i I'm obsessed with self-awareness and I talk about it a lot on my podcast with all my guests and really self-awareness is the first, you know, because no matter what you hear on the internet, on what podcast, it's always going to be irrelevant until you know yourself and, and tie it back. And I've, I ask all my guests this that are, you know, in the relevant subject of this and they all have their own take. My personal ones, like in my opinion, mindfulness meditation is, is really big. Doing a lot of things, experimenting trial and error, you know, just going to a meetup in some industry that you wouldn't think you'd even be interested in or, you know, and then even to a limit, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want people to, uh, to, you know, abuse this, but author Tim Ferriss, he says, try to experiment like that, even if you think it's going to self-sabotage you. Because oftentimes your previous perspectives act as a kind of prison for your mind that you're not really aware of until it happens. And then really honestly, just kind of do the whole healthy thing, like eat healthy, exercise, do everything on the, the body side. And then I really think it's about trying as many things as you can, getting really good at things, getting bad at things. You know, uh, I think that's really the first step. Um, I've had different guests on that say things like get two different sets of colored sticky notes and like on the, the green ones that you would just fill out one keyword on, on three notes for yourself. So you'd write down like happy, you know, I'm, I'm courageous. I'm intuitive. And then you hand out other sets of those notes to other people and you get them back. And then you kind of see that cascade of how you think about yourself and then how other people think about you. And then you can kind of overlap and see, Oh, am I just completely wrong about this? Am I delusional or have I, am I short sighted in something? Maybe I have a skill that I never really picked up on. And yeah, I think in my opinion, those, those are the best things on self-awareness that, that you could utilize. I think you bring up a great point there that, that is often uh, left out where building self-awareness, sometimes we need to get other perspectives and to really sort of like in an organization where you have these 360 analysis to really understand what a p- employee's potential and issues might be. Sometimes we don't take the time to actually have that kind of analysis for ourselves, even if it's for simple things. It's like just getting that feedback of like, well, I think I'm a pretty open person, but what do you think? And then being open to that feedback 
being okay with failing and learning. And I think that is really the critical component is that not to judge the feedback, but more just take it in as understanding that it's coming from good intentions to help you improve. And in the same way, being able to recognize that some of that feedback comes from our devices and, and recognizing that as feedback, you know, so if you're not treating it well, if you're not charging your devices and taking care of them in that way, and they're constantly dying on you, that's an indication that you're not taking care of it and it's not going to perform the way you want it to perform. So it's not just people's feedback, but everything that we use to enhance our lives and technology, whether it's through technology, whatever. So I think it extends far beyond that, but being aware of what that feedback is coming. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? Yeah. And I think, yeah, hundred percent. I think that's super, super important. And I, I think I forgot to mention this, but you should give those notes out to people that are close to you and, and know you well, you know, family members, colleagues, you don't want, I'm not saying to blindly just get advice from random people that might not know you well, because then you're going to get this skew of data and you're not going to know, and it's not going to be accurate. So yeah, I definitely think it's it's important to be mindful of uh of of the environment. You're spot on with that. Now, you previously had an organization that was that had 40 people. Do you, are you still running an organization or are you working more independently now? Yeah, so um are you referring to PPMC? Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, so PPMC it is still uh up and alive, but I don't um I don't run it. I still own it, but I the I have uh, another owner that takes care of it. But I don't I don't do that anymore. I'm more focused right now on uh, the podcast and uh, View Dream, the the virtual reality and augmented reality uh, agency that I have. Nice. And do you have a team that you manage from there, or do you have a lot of remote people? Yeah. So I have three people in in, in person and three room. I do. And do you use those methods like you were talking about with, you know, whether it's a post-it note or the feedback that you were, we were just talking about, do you use that with your team? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, the in-person ones I have, the remote ones I, I have not, but uh, I'm hoping in, I'm hoping in virtual reality, we can, uh, we can all meet up one day in some weird technologically mediated metaverse. Very cool. Well, I don't think it's that far off. No, I think not it's, at all. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. I remember when we were developing an app back in, gosh, I think it was actually in 2000. And, and then as we were starting to build more of these systems around it, we started talking about, well, maybe we should put something into Second Life where people mm. can actually engage directly. I'm glad we didn't sink ourselves too much into Second Life, but it was an interesting experience to try to understand where this would fit into building businesses and getting teams to engage who aren't physically co-located. Mm-hmm. So I think VR is, has a really has incredible potential there for doing something like that. Yeah, hundred percent. I've had a few CEOs of different VR companies. One of them is this company called Doghead Simulations, and they are a business meeting collaboration app. So basically, it's basically what I just said. So you, you put on a VR headset, and then other people put on a VR headset, and then you guys can all be in different locations, but you have like your workload there, you have your computer, you have access to everything you need, you can talk to each other. And it's, it's up right now. I think it's in beta, but it's up right now, and there's dozens of, of different 
companies and startups doing this. And it's really, it's, it's changing everything. That's awesome. Let's just go quick into a sponsor break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Oscar Wellness. When pain stops, life begins. Oscar Pulse mimics the body's own recovery processes to relieve pain, muscle stiffness, and inflammation using optimized pulsed electromagnetic field technology, PEMF, to encourage recovery at a cellular level so you can get back to life. And I gotta tell you, this thing works so well, my husband and I are fighting over it. So I highly recommend you take a moment and try it out. They have all kinds of options for checking it out, and they've even given us an opportunity to share a discount with you, $55, by using the 2BU code on the OSCO Wellness site. You can check out the show notes to get more details. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, we have Mark Metry, host of Humans 2.0 Podcast, joining us. And we're having a great conversation about humanity in the future and how technology impacts that and all the cool things that from gaming to VR to AR and AI. So I would love to shift a little bit in our conversation more to the personal side and really understand where your passion for the human side of technology comes from and where you see it going in the future. Yeah. So I think it's it's innate. I think it's basically in all of us. I think my parents did a really good job raising me and teaching me real strong foundational morals that I carry with me every day. But really, I think when you when you have the conversation of technology, you have to have the human side to it. Because I really do believe, you know, kind of the reason, one of the reasons why I'm doing this is, you know, if you look all like across thousands of different years, different civilizations, different empires, all sorts of different societies, people have been getting screwed. And a lot of that can be mediated through technology because technology is kind of the middleman, right? Like, and as we're seeing with blockchain technology, that's now decentralizing money. Now, you know, I, I had Jay Salmon on my podcast and he's a part of this organization and they're basically building the infrastructure for the world's poorest 2 billion using blockchain technology, you know, because you don't need banks, you don't need governments to do this stuff. Individual people can do this stuff. And I think technology kind of empowers that human side. You know, if you just, if you look not even 50 years ago and you look at the world and the kind of wars that we were having, today wars are different because governments can't use the same kind of manipulation that they've been using before, right? Because how would people know stuff? You know, they'd maybe have a newspaper, they'd maybe have some kind of messaging, but it was all centralized. There was no decentralization. There was no, you know, there was no clean 100% trustworthy middleman because it's just people. And as, as humans, once we build these systems and societies, they get so complex and the pure well-intentioned values that we we created those organizations to do get misconstrued in the process of it and i think technology 
is I think basically humanity is about to enter into a technological enlightenment where things might seem really weird now with social media and, you know, all, all these different things on the news that we're seeing, like people getting called out for being pedophiles and molesting these people. I think this is just the beginning. I think humanity is about to awaken to its true self that technology is exposing kind of like a mirror where we're seeing the actual reflection. And for some people, it's strange and they're freaking out. But for some of us, we just kind of understand this. I think that's really exciting. And it's absolutely, I mean, I at least agree with you, as we said before. It's like, I agree with you. That's the truth. I accept that that's my opinion. But I'm very hopeful. And I think you are as well as to the potential for technology to both for the democratization, but also for just so many other incredible impacts. I was recently listening to one of your you you started this new thing called flow. And, Mm -hmm. and in that you were talking, you know, you mentioned the piece about sort of in Africa, and the, the mobile phones, they're used for payment systems and whatnot. And Years ago, I was on the board of an organization that we were promoting women in leadership across from Scandinavia to the the Gulf countries. And a lot of the conversations that we were having there were around, at least in my role in that board, was more talking about, you know, how can we use technology to augment this experience and to to both train uh, women in the leadership skills that they maybe didn't have, whether it was for sitting on boards or or whether it was just getting them up on the technology, because in some cases they weren't made, they weren't made available to the training for everything simple from, you know, back then it was, you know, Microsoft systems that basically, if you, if you don't know how to do Word and Excel and PowerPoint, you can't work in a large organization, at least back then. Now, of course, it's Google, Google Docs and whatnot, but, but, um, but I think that there's just this incredible experience that we, in the developed world, we're so quick to criticize the, you know, the behavior manipulation and this and that. But those, it's a first world problem. Really, when you look at it from the meta and the opportunities that technology is providing, it far outweighs these, these little things. I, and I don't mean to diminish it, but the, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, manipulation in social media and, and, you know, people saying bad things about other people, because that's always going to happen. That's more of a society problem. It's just emphasized because our society is so screwy right now. Yeah. And I think it's, I think this, it just goes to, you know, in the micro, this is happening really fast. And this, all this stuff is, is really new. Like sure. Humans have been augmenting their reality ever since they created tools but in terms of like the kind of digital revolution that we're seeing that's you know 20 30 years like not even and i think in the big picture all of these things will be kind of not you know cured or, or fixed but all these things won't really be a problem like you mentioned you know, people saying bad things or, or being persuasive on social media. Of course, that's always going to happen. But, you know, I, I kind of notice an interesting trend. And it's like, if you notice at the early internet, where things and social networks like YouTube and whatnot, they were more based on username and Facebook didn't, you know, require you to put in your, your full first and last name. 
everyone was saying like all this random stuff all the time. Like people would just comment. And then now it's just like definitely gone down. Like I've seen it everywhere gone down. And I think eventually once the digital world kind of sinks in with the physical world, people will start treating it just like it's kind of real life. Cause there is a disconnect when you leave a, a YouTube comment you're not seeing that person's reactions to what you're saying in real time. And then, you know, your brain kind of interprets that in a different way. Most people would probably say those things, but they'd never say them to somebody in real life. And, you know, a lot of people might be looking at their smartphones all day or looking at their screens, but that's, again, that's a temporary view because what happens in five, 10 years from now, when we're all wearing augmented reality contacts and, whatever we were looking at our screens is now just blended into reality and we don't have to look down anymore. And whatever we want is just there. So I think taking the long view of all this, just like you said, is, uh, is key. Yeah, no, I think it, it's fascinating. I'm curious, have, have you heard about China's new policy? Or I don't know if it's necessarily a policy, but it's an experiment on tracking people's social scores. And it's similar to a Black Mirror episode um, um, a couple of years back, maybe not even a couple of years back. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's, uh, yeah, and I, I think it's really interesting. I think China is really, a really interesting country. And I was just reading uh, the other day, too, that their police now and the subway systems have augmented reality glasses that can detect faces. So if there's a criminal or whatever, to me, I think it's, uh, I think it's a really, really, really slippery slope because I don't think the technology is there, but I don't think humanity is, is there yet necessarily. So I think, again, I don't know how this is going to be implemented. I haven't really read too much about this, but I think that it can easily be manipulated. And I don't think with the current system we have now, to apply that system, it doesn't really make much sense, especially in a communist country. So I think, yeah, and I, I and I think you know if you look at China's economy, they're they're growing a lot, and it seems that they're developing a lot of interesting stuff, especially in terms of technology in the future. And it's interesting to see where that goes. I think everything in Black Mirror is possible. If it's not already possible now, and we just don't see it, it's going to be possible. But I think that's that's like the one percent of uh, of what happens and passionate people like you and me and people listening to this and CEOs and doing startups and whatnot, they're helping build that future to help ensure it's a white mirror and not a black mirror. I like that. Let's stick with the white mirror. <laughs> and then we can always, you know, create things that can counter the yeah. black mirror when we come and become exposed to it. But yeah, I mean, in my day, it was watching things like Star Trek and we still can't beam each, you know, each other to different places. But yet, I say yet, um, I remember sitting at the kitchen table with my son probably 10 years ago. And I said, what do you imagine the future will be like, you know, 20 years from now? What will be different? He's like, oh, well, I'll be able to hang out with my friend's holograms. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Like mm -hmm. to him, that was just, yeah, that's what I think we're going to be doing. Yeah. And I think once we get out of our fixed ideas, we realize that there's so much more possibility for human connection in different ways that if we can step back from the fear that's maybe caused by the stories like Black Mirror and take them for what they are, which is stories that talk about the potential for technology, both in the good and the bad, 
that we can see the possibility and see the opportunity instead. Gosh, there's so many different directions that I could take this conversation. So I'm feeling a little overwhelmed because yeah. I really love talking to you and I love the content of your work. Right. Before I, you know, sort of wrap things up, I do want to make sure that people know where to find you and find your work and find your podcast, of course. So can you tell everybody a little bit about that? And then we'll have a little bit of a, a wrap up statement. Yeah. So if you want to reach out to me to say hi or to say whatever, um, I'm on all the social media networks. Uh, my name is Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y. My website is markmetry.com. If you want to listen to my podcasts, it's on iTunes, Stitcher, all those podcast networks. It's called Humans 2.0. You can just search that up. Uh, if you're interested in technology and trying to learning how to how to learn things in the world and, and how to benefit from them as well, then you can definitely check that out. Awesome. And View Dream is V-U, is that correct? Victor? That's correct. Victor U. What would be U? Unicorn. <laughs> Dream. <laughs> can't think of another U. Sure, there's lots of them. Yeah. And I would imagine that's ViewDream.com? Mm -hmm. Is that yes, correct? that's correct. Okay, great. So people that, if anybody's interested in looking more at uh, Mark's work, that's a good place to come find him. And before we close up, I just want to get sort of your last words of advice or inspiration that you would like to share with the audience because you have, and I just, I love hearing your different perspective and I'm sure they've been enjoying it too. Yeah, thanks. Hmm, maybe for this audience, maybe double down on what you're doing because I remember growing up as a kid and especially with technology you know, whether it was doing YouTube or making the Minecraft server or freelancing online or doing all the things that I did using technology, there was always this kind of sense of doubt. And it might have been just personally for me, or it might have been the kind of legitimacy that social media had in 2005. So I would just say double down on whatever it is you're doing, because whatever you're doing, you're probably going to be right. You know, not not all the time, but if you really believe in it, double down on it because, you know, you don't want to have that, that regret. And talking about technology this way and doing things online and whatnot, it sounds like everybody is talking about it, but it's not the case at all. And we just live in this bubble where I go on this podcast and then I talk about that. And then all my LinkedIn connections all talk about the same thing as me. The reality is 0.00001% of people know about this, are talking about this, and the world wants to hear your your input. They want to listen to it because it's still super early in the game. You know, there's like this, there's like this transient thought that it's like, oh, if you don't get onto YouTube right now, it's over. If you don't do podcasting right now, it's over. If you don't do this, it's over. It's really about my final thoughts is having the duality of doubling down and taking taking in the full moment in history for what it is but also you know not worrying about it because life isn't that serious i love it not to don't take it so seriously and i know you said your closing thought but i have one more question that i'm dying to ask you as a mom because you are a z and a lot of my listeners are probably parents of z's or maybe they're z's themselves what did your parents do right that really, you know, made you, supported you in your success and your relationship with technology? Because I think all of us want those words of wisdom of how can we do it right for our kids? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. And uh, 
I obviously am not a parent, but really my uh, doing it as a parent is it, it's two things. I think it's the experience that, that you have and then also, you know, what, what you teach them. So what I mean by that is, you know, my parents were, were immigrants and they came here. They didn't really have any money. So I basically saw, saw my parents just work every day and really struggle. And that taught me the work ethic and not just the kind of, oh yeah, life is really chill and let's just play games and watch TV shows and, and doing all the lazy things that our brains want to do all the time. But it really taught me the, the meaning and value. And that's what I would probably say. I'd say is we're living in a really interesting time right now. And parent, especially with parents, like parents are telling their kids to not go outside because it's like so dangerous, but then they get mad at them for getting so stressed out after doing their homework and just scrolling on Instagram for hours and hours and hours. The best advice that I could give to you as a parent is to just, you know, it really depends on your kid, but I think a big part of it is to build their self-esteem. But again, it kind of depends. Like if you know your son already kind of has that or they're already super confident, you don't want, you don't want to push that more. <laughs> but it's really a balance of being a meaningful person and maybe uh, deploying some empathy and perspective their way. Like, you know, I remember just being as a kid and I was like 10 years old. I had a Game Boy Advance SP and I like love playing Pokemon. I love playing video games. My parents would always be like, Oh, Mark, you know, you can't, you can only play on the weekend or you can only play after you're done with your homework. And to me, those video games, the way that I perceive them, I saw them as the world, you know, but in my very, very narrow frame of mind, that's what I thought. But my parents knew in the big picture that wasn't, that wasn't the, the best case for me, but they didn't, you know, there was no yelling. They just approached it with gentleness and compassion because like at the end of the day, life isn't that serious. So like, you want to form a, a genuine connection with, with your son that's, you know, a little bit more than, oh, he's like my, my cute little son. It's about really understanding and giving them meaning or, or help them discover meaning in their life. And you don't want to necessarily just say, don't tell them what to do. Give them the tools. Help them figure out the tools they need because, you know, once they move out, once once they're gone, they won't have you and then they'll be screwed. You know, it's kind of like, it's like training wheels. You know, if you always have uh, training wheels on, but you don't give, you don't give the ability to ride a bike normally, then you just screwed them for life. And I think giving them and, and helping them learn the tools is is interesting as well. And in terms of technology, just one final point. I know I've just ranted on. That's okay. Um, in one final point in technology, I think it's really interesting because a lot of parents didn't grow up with this technology. So kids are like showing their mom or dad like this new app or whatever, and their mom has like no idea what's going on. So like they say like, oh, don't spend time on it or like do whatever you want on it. I think as a parent, you just need to open yourself up to infinite learning you know, and don't just say, oh, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'm not good on a computer. You know, I don't have technology skills. You know, nobody does until they do it, you know, and it might not come as natural to you, uh, understandably, but you just gotta, you just gotta keep trying and uh, do it because this stuff isn't going away. (laughs) (laughs) Great words of wisdom and kudos to your parents for doing such a great job. I think uh, those are great words to, to live by, teach our kids empathy, humanity, and and empower them to 
to be the best that they can be and, you know, teach the, teach them the tools or provide them the tools to actually be that. So with those final words, thank you so much for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self podcast. Mark, it's been a pleasure to have you with us today. And don't forget to go check out Mark's site and all of the information will be on the show notes. So don't worry about trying to write it down. Come visit us back at twobalanceyou.com and you can get all the info there. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes and come back and rate and review and share with your friends. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.